A lot has happened over the last month right here in the great state of Chilinois. Today is September 1st, and I am joined by Mike Fouché from GrownIn.com. Hey, Mike, um, go ahead and introduce yourself uh, for folks that may not remember you on the Chilinois podcast. <laughs> uh, well, uh, so I, uh, in my, I, Mike Fouché, my partner, Brad Spearson, uh, we founded Grown In cannabis industry newsletter uh, that covers uh, Illinois, Missouri, and Michigan, uh, the states where cannabis sales are legal. Uh, and uh, we've been really growing a lot. We, we've got thousands of people that are reading our newsletter uh, every week. And uh, actually, we also now have a learning component to it, too, where we train cannabis companies on their compliance needs and uh, teach bud tenders the basics of bud tending. And that's run by our third partner, uh, Eric Davis. So we've, we're really excited about what we're doing here. Hell yeah, you can find him on grownin.com, uh, on Twitter, at tweetgrownin. Mike, welcome back to the Chillinoy podcast. It's great to be here. Thank you very much. Yeah, I am uh, thankful for your time. I know that today, uh, there was even some stuff going on today uh, still uh, with Illinois cannabis. So really thankful for your time, uh, this afternoon. Sure. Well, Hey, why don't we just, uh, why don't we just start with explaining, um, what was set to happen in August and then maybe we can Whoa. break down. <laughs> My dog, dog is like, upset. <laughs> yeah. Your dog is like, Oh, I'll tell you what happened. Right. In yeah, she's got some things. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I just figured maybe we start with, uh, like, what um you know what was set to happen and then maybe we can go over what what actually happened um which i guess is more or less the same thing but right well what we expected to happen uh <laughs> i mean so the the big news has been circulating around the status of licenses and and the two sets of licenses were one, the craft grow and infuser licenses, which have been managed by the Department of Agriculture. And then the, um, the other set of licenses uh, are the 185 adult use dispensary licenses. And by the way, there were 40 craft grow and 20 something infuser licenses. And the dispensary licenses were issued by another agency, the Illinois Department of financial and professional regulation. Now, that just sounds like a whole bunch of bureaucratic garbage, except for the fact that what's important is that those two agencies had different license uh, application processes um, in slightly different application forms, but similar enough. And <clears throat> a lot of it has been circulating around this whole issue of veterans points uh, which is an extra five points that you got on scoring if your uh, team was led by a military veteran. Mm -hmm. And because so many applicants had practically perfect scores, that five points became critical. So if you weren't led by a military veteran, your chances of getting a license declined considerably. So um, this has led to a court case about the dispensary licenses and there's been a lot of talk about whether or not there's going to be a court case around craft grow licenses. So far, one has not come up. Um, but uh, the 185 dispensary licenses have been caught up in court 
um, and unable to move forward um, because there's been this huge fight about, you know, what is the status of the licenses? And, and now we're just kind of stuck in kind of a, you know, fine grain detail of the case. And there was an expectation that there was going to be some kind of a ruling today, but because of the status of some of the plaintiffs has changed and some other details that are just so um, mind-numbingly boring to get into, basically we don't have a ruling so far. And, um, you know, I think that this is because uh, the judge who's running the case, who is well-known, his name is uh, Moshe Jacobius, he's well-known to be a take no crap from anybody kind of judge, like, you know, practically out of central casting, that he is running the process very, very, very carefully because he knows that whatever ruling that he makes will probably be kicked into the appellate court. And I think that his concern is, is that his ruling could get overturned for some, you know, lack of um, attention to detail. <clears throat> and so, you know, that is tremendously uh, embarrassing to a judge. And so he wants to make sure that that doesn't happen. Gotcha. Gotcha. So basically he made no change and I'm reading off of your, uh, well, actually I don't know if it's your article or Brad's, uh, it's actually your article. Uh, he made no change uh, to his July 28th emergency order, which barred Illinois regulators from issuing licenses to winners of the July 29th, August 5th, and August 19th license lotteries. Right. That's the 185 licenses. And so there are a group of people who think that they won the licenses, but they're not allowed to use the licenses. So they can't start a business. Um, they can't, you know, cite the location. They can't start doing any kind of planning or anything until those licenses are transferred to them. And there's also the threat that uh, Judge Jacobius could just completely overturn the entire process and nullify the awarding of all those licenses. Uh, and he threatened to do so in a hearing a few weeks ago. What would, if, and I know that this might be a uh, what if question and what if questions are hard to answer sometimes, but what, what do you think would happen if that happened? Does that, does that mean... <laughs> if he threw out the licenses, yeah. um, it would, it would mean that the state would have to redo the entire, uh, certainly the entire lottery process mm -hmm. and potentially the application process, depending on how far he, he went with his ruling, but that probably wouldn't happen right away. The, the immediate implication would be that whoever loses the case will probably appeal to the Illinois appellate court. And <clears throat> there's a high likelihood that it would then be appealed to the U S Supreme court or the uh, Illinois Supreme court. So whatever happens here, there's going to be many, many more months of courts. Mm -hmm. So it, there, I think that there was this hope that Jacobius would make a ruling and then things could move forward, but whatever happens is going to immediately go to the appellate court. And so these 185 licenses are probably going to be stuck in court 
for many, many more months, even maybe even another year. Yeah, and these are the 185 adult-use cannabis dispensary licenses, if we didn't make that clear enough already, folks. Yeah. Um, so you won't see any new uh, stores opening doors anytime soon, it sounds like. Um, what's this going on with, uh, I don't mean to jump around, but sure. what's this going on, uh, or what is going on, rather? That was a weird way to ask that question. Um, <laughs> on Friday, September 3rd, um, it looks like a... a the, you said a, an attorney for the state of Illinois also announced that a final list of lottery winners will be issued. Is that another lottery or what? No, what it's the same one. So the, the, the issue is that um, they issued a list of the lottery winners, but some people won more licenses than they are allowed to keep. Oh, uh, right. And so and they had so, to give those up, right? Right. They have to give those up. And then the state awards them to another set of people guess who were next in line they, they didn't really make it clear how that was going to happen hmm. um i'm guessing there's some sort of you yeah know, do they alternate... spin up the balls again what do i they don't do? know you know i don't know and they and they they haven't even said whether or not they actually used a ball machine right um, right they've just said that there is a lottery system and maybe it's run by a computer i don't know yeah i don't know that's a particularly interesting detail on this um you know, I'd a I'd ask you your take on it, but I, I I know your job really is just to report the facts. And like you say, the facts are like the they've said that the, a lottery took place. But for folks that aren't aware, they have not. You know, people have asked. I'm sure Mike, you asked. I know some of your colleagues have. Um, were there like physical balls involved? Was it a digital lottery? How did it work? And am I correct in saying I don't really have an answer for that? They have not answered. Um, and. I will say that um, the Illinois regulators have basically shut down and just don't answer questions. And, and I've been talking yeah. to other reporters on this beat and they say they're very frustrated at how few questions they get answered by the state. I am. <laughs> so all us reporters are, are basically um, getting the Heisman. Yeah. Um, you know, we're, we're trying to learn information and the state just ignores us. They just don't answer the questions. Well, um, that's frustrating. And I can only imagine how frustrating that is for you, being that it is your profession. Um, you know, so these 185 new adult use cannabis dispensary licenses uh, will remain frozen, as you said, until we get some sort of ruling on this. And then even then, either way, it sounds like we're going to be stuck in court um, for quite some time. Remind me, you, you made mention of it what's going on with the 40 craft dispensary licenses is it held up in this as well no they've been awarded and i mean they went through a similar process with veterans points as well and i've had multiple people contact me to ask me you know what do i know about that process because they were considering filing a lawsuit and i've said okay great well you know show me the money <laughs> you know when yeah. you file show me the filing and so far, nobody has, has done that. Gotcha. So to be clear, the 40 licenses have been awarded and They're like moving forward. So, but what does that, what does that mean moving forward? Do, like, do we have a date? Like, and I, this may be a admittedly a tough question to answer, but like, do we have a date where they can put seeds in soil date where they can get a building? Like what's going on? 
oh, they could put seeds in soil tomorrow if they had a if they had an operating building. Um, oh, nice. Well, that's exciting I, to I hear. I think the the problem for everyone is there's very few people. So you know, there's you got to think about that. There's multiple stages that happen here. First, you have to have the money in order to build out everything you need to build out. Right. And you know, the estimates that I've heard is is that it's a minimum. $5 million investment in order to build a facility. You know, it's anywhere from five to $9 million in order to build a facility. <clears throat> the second is that you have to have your location uh, and you've got to get permitting and zoning approved. And then the third is that you've got to have, uh, you know, a construction company that's ready to work and we'll be able to pour a foundation before it gets too cold in Chicago, which is sometime in December usually, um, or in Illinois. I guess further downstate, you know, you could build something later in the season. But yeah. you know, pretty much north of I seventy, you know, December is going to be the latest that you're going to be able to pill, pour a foundation. And <clears throat> so those are some real serious barriers, particularly finding a construction company. Um, that is able to get the work done for you in that time period. I've heard a lot of concerns about um, getting crews and that there's a real lack of uh, construction crews that are available uh, to do work right now. Um, and then also the cost of concrete and the cost of lumber have gone up a lot in right. the last six, nine months. So, you know, those are some pretty big issues. Um, and then also, um, you know, if you're planning on building out uh, an infuser, um, I've been told that uh, equipment for uh, extraction uh, is very, very hard to find right now. The, the time of shipping is very long. If you're, you know, building a cultivation site, so craft grow, and you have some sort of space age grow lights or, you know, some sort of watering system um, that comes from Germany or I don't know where, you know, some, someplace far away, mm -hmm. you also have to wait for shipping on that too. So there's a lot of delays. Um, I, I spoke with um, growers in Missouri in July who were lamenting how long it's been taking for them to get their equipment. So I'm sure that problem is going to be in Illinois too. I, I, I think it will be, you know, uh, beginning of August is when the craft grow licenses were issued. Um, so that means that you know, we should see a, uh, you know, six months from then, you know, February is, sure. is the fastest that you could go. I think it's going to be very few places that are going to be ready and able will have a place to put seeds in soil by then. Um, yeah. And it probably won't be. I mean, I think places are probably going to be trying to take clones rather than seeds. So, you know, even if you had clones, put clones in soil by the end of February, I think that'd be really hard. Man, yeah, that's unfortunate on the timing of it. But like you say, logistically speaking, if you're trying to lay down a foundation for a building, uh, this is the this is probably the worst time in the state of Illinois to do that, or, or about the worst time. You know, we're we're nearing. Yeah the cold yeah. uh, days. And then also, like you say, you've got the added elements of uh, increased, uh, you know, construction supplies, 
Um, I think another moving target, and I don't know if you've heard anything about this on the beat, is the fact that it is a their floor space is a moving target. You know, technically speaking, they can open up with 5,000 square feet, I think, of canopy space. But if the Department of Ag decides, they can expand to up to 15,000 square feet. So I would imagine most people are building out with that plan, you know, in mind, but they're starting small, right? Yeah. Um, you know, it is, and, and it is, by the way, it's the limit of canopy space. So you can have, so clone rooms, mother rooms, veg rooms, those don't count to that space. Oh, cool. <laughs> So you can get a lot done. And also I've seen places with triple racks, which means that, you know, it's not 2000 square feet. It's really 6,000 square feet of canopy space that you're doing. Um, but you know, it, it's, um, who knows? I wanted, <laughs> I, mean, I wanted to ask about that. Is that a way that, that some of them are getting kind of not around it, but they're, they're containing, they're kind of like stacking, the canopy yep. within 5,000 square feet so that they can yeah. effectively. That's cool. Yeah. Um, so, the, you know, it's a, there is a lot of that sort of thing going on, but I, I you know, one thing I'm constantly cautioned by growers is it really takes 18 months of active growing before you're able to get a regular crop out because you have to learn your space you have to learn the process. There's a lot of mistakes that are made. Even great growers with lots of experience will say a new space, you really got to say it's 18 months before there's regular stuff coming out. You know, you'll, you'll have a product, but it takes a while. Sort of like a printing press, you got to get it rolling and then you got to key the colors in right and all that other stuff. And so yeah. it takes time. Um, and I'm sure... So, to- depending on where these growers are from, like, you know, you've got controlled environments, but still, like you say, uh, the technology is only so good. So you kind of got to get like a feel for, for the new environment. Right. Yes. Um, and every indoor environment is different. Uh, you know, I've, I've had guys say, it's always guys, uh, this corner over here, you know, doesn't grow so well. So I got to learn about that corner and what I do in order to deal with that. You know, my air circulation isn't working the way I want it to be over here. So how do I change that? Um, you know, the water flow for my machines aren't working just right. I got to get my nutrient mix correct. Uh, these particular strains respond in a certain way. Oh no, we had a infestation of spider mites from some jerk who didn't take a shower that day (laughs) you know these are all real things um and you know so i think uh it's it's going to take a while for places to get down their patterns and practices yeah so so these things are held up in limbo uh craft licenses are a go um, of course, they're dealing with, you know, kind of the environment and, and timing of uh, laying the, the foundation. You mentioned also uh, infuser licenses. Those were awarded. Yes. Nice. Um, and, you know, those are it will be interesting to see how that goes. Um, infusers, I think, were very dependent on the idea of the independent dispensaries being active. 
mm-hmm. um, because as it is for a while, they, you know, the situation that they're in right now is, is they depend on the existing um, cultivators in Illinois. So the 20 operating cultivators to provide them with oil, which those cultivators have plenty of other places they might want to put their oil, um, you know, like themselves. And then they also have to then sell it back to those existing companies because there's not that many independent dispensaries in Illinois anymore. So uh, the infusers are squeezed on both ends in Illinois. Um, And I think that we're not going to see a lot of independent infusers operating for for some time. Interesting. Um, So what... I guess this is an interesting, we're in an interesting spot because, um, yeah, so the craft licenses will, will take off. Uh, I'm just hoping the timing works out better than it has been, but, but we'll see. Um, what is your take on some of the reporting that's come out? Um, and I'm not sure if you've reported on this. I can't remember, Uh, you know, there's so much solid reporting on this which makes me really happy uh on on all this that it's hard to to remember exactly where it's coming from but there's been a lot of uh murmurs and uh, you know talk about the fact that a lot of these licenses have gone to quote insiders or people with connections uh to you know uh current license holders or current operators what have you um what what i guess is your take on that if you have one what happens with current licenses or can, well, can you yeah i i just didn't know like it it seemed um and i re- i realize i might be putting you in a rough spot because i'm almost asking i'm almost asking your opinion on it but like is it to me and to other people that have been viewing this from an outside perspective this this entire um industry was pitched especially these first licenses they were pitched as like opportunity opportunity for people that have been um you know uh affected or disproportionately impacted by the war on drugs and um you know there's been some reporting that has come out that has basically pointed to people you know having some significant uh ties to current license holders or other operators and um I think rightfully some people are questioning like did this you know like did this per- this person was already connected did they were they disproportionately impacted um by the color of the law all of these winners are are rightful winners I want to say that um you know I'm not I'm not trying to get you in a gotcha uh, I think it's important to put that out there you know a lot of people I guess just to steer the conversation maybe to start somewhere um, a lot of people point to Edie Moore, right? And they say, like, hey, isn't it a conflict of interest that you run a nonprofit um, a advo- advocacy group, but you're almost profiting from what you're advocating for? Um, that's, like, one tie people have pointed out. But people have pointed out other ties. I just didn't know if you had any thoughts or opinions on, on the fact that this was pitched as a opportunity for people that haven't had opportunities yet it seems like some of the winners well uh, you know yeah. the the first part is is that 
um, the whole structure of the system has been from the beginning. If you understood how the license process worked, you were more likely to get a license. Right. Any more was part of a winning team that won licenses for the medical process. So she already knew what to do, and, and she that winning team sold their licenses to Forefront, you know, which is Mission. Yep. Um, and another group that won was Americana Dream, which included uh, Bridget Cook County Commissioner Bridget Degnan, who was the deputy director of the medical marijuana program um, when it started. So. You know, clearly she knew what she was doing. Um, but there, so that there's that issue. The, the second part is that um, there, you know, you could argue, well, a lot of the licenses that went to companies that are already operating, um, you know, existing MSOs, those are actually partnerships with disadvantaged individuals. And so it's their right in order to get the license that way. And you know, maybe they'll get some money and that'll be money that'll go to them that they wouldn't have gotten otherwise. You know, I think that it's too, it, it, it is difficult to imagine a circumstance where the licenses are going to go to quote, deserving people who are planning to uplift their community um, right. because you know how do you actually do that how do you how do you measure that and how do you make sure that that happens and exactly who is deserving and what are the circumstances that uplift their community and that that's complicated well and let's be frank like like we were just talking about with with some of these licenses you're gonna have to have some sort of capital and i'm sorry but that equals connections uh, to kind of get started in this industry anyways. You, you're not, it's not just going to be like, let me just put it this way. And I say this with a little, to insert a little bit of humor. You know how I am, Mike. Some people uh, had this idea that their guy, you know, their weed guy, that he's going to have a shot at the business. And it's not that we're saying that he doesn't. It's just that in order to get involved in the cannabis industry, you need capital. And in order to get capital, oftentimes you need connections and uh, it is what it is. I mean, you can't, you know, not just anybody can get involved. It's, you got to be able to comply with the regulations, build everything to scale, to code, etc. cetera. Um, I think you did point out a really, really what's, I think people um, are missing is that it wasn't that, because I, I wanted to return to what I said at the beginning when I was kind of asking this question. All of these winners are rightful winners by the color of the law. Uh, like the the language of the law mm-hmm. and that's just it that that's i think what people are missing that's where the frustration should be maybe pointed at is that you basically had to have an attorney in order to know how to score the way you needed to score like it, it instead of just giving people an honest shot at business it seemed like you really needed to understand the law in order to make everything work <laughs> you know so i i want to point out that in almost every state that has limited licenses, yeah. there has been some series of lawsuits that have arrested the process or complicated the process. You know, so um, Portland, Maine, had tried to limit licenses to people that are from Portland. 
That was overturned by a federal court last month. Uh, there was, after a long, year-long battle, Detroit is trying to make it so that only people in Detroit get licenses. That is now entering, it has been initially overturned, but now that's entering a battle that probably won't be resolved until September, 2022. Illinois is having this problem. Uh, Missouri is now in the middle of a federal court battle. Ohio had a similar problem. So I, none of this is easy. And yeah. none of this legislatures, you know, what you could say, well, it's poorly thought out legislation and the legislatures aren't doing a good job. It could also be that, um, that the, that it's impossible to fix and that there's nothing that you can really do. And so you're stuck, <laughs> you know, you're going to have a problem no matter what. That's another way of thinking about it. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, I think a lot of people's frustration too comes from looking at like looking at some other States that are, are out of the woodwork and rocking and rolling, uh, like Oklahoma and Oregon, which, uh, people have both pointed to on on my show, and I've seen like even Vice did a story on what happens when a state gets too much weed. It's kind of the the inverse of what we're seeing, right? Where they've taken a totally open license approach, uh, right. no no limitations really at all. Um, and uh, yeah, what's your take? I guess on some of the have you done any research into those states and yeah, what, I have. what's happened I, in Oklahoma and Oregon and. Uh, you know, they have no limits. You can get as many as you want. Oregon, was it two, three years ago, had, you know, just everybody who had a farm was like, okay, I'm getting a license to grow cannabis. And I, they issued, I think, thousands of cultivation licenses. And then the whole thing went bust because there was so much weed. And it also very difficult to figure out which is high quality, which is low quality. You know, they don't really have testing standards in a lot of those states. Um, so you know, maybe there's a bunch of heavy metals in the weed because it's bad soil. Don't know. Um, and so I think there's big trade-offs. You know, that again, all of this, we're talking about what's entirely within the regulated marketplace, the legal marketplace. And there are studies that are showing that the illegal, unregulated marketplace is maybe twice as big, two and a half times as big as the regulated marketplace. You know, lots and lots of people are still buying their weed from a dealer. And you don't know anything about where that stuff comes from for the most part. You know, the, the dealer might tell you, oh, you know, this is from California or this is from Mexico. Are you right. sure? <laughs> you know, is there somebody, is there like a DOC label on it that tells you, you know, this is true California weed? You know, who knows? Um, so it, I think that the idea that there are, that, that we spent a lot of time talking about how the regulated marketplace works. I know quite a few people and I'm sure you do too. And I'm sure a good number of people listening to your podcast buy their cannabis from a dealer and they feel comfortable with that. And that's 
what they're going to keep doing for a while. Yeah. Yeah. Well said. Um, so I, I just wanted to kind of, cause this is a sub, it sounds like you've done a little bit of research. It's a subject I've been kicking around on the podcast, like limited licenses versus totally open. What do you see is like, I guess, do you, can you lay out maybe pros and cons to each approach? Cause I feel like they each do have their pros and cons. You know what I mean? Um, yeah, sure. I mean, I think the advantage to limited license processes is that you imagine that you're limiting the number of places that can grow and you can control the licensing process uh, and that you can restrict how much is made and of what kind and what how that's structured. The unlimited license process uh, embraces the idea that there's this open market and you know allows anybody to have a license and they can go ahead and grow whatever they want now both of these cases though there's again the devil is in the details so are you still requiring seed sale tracking that's a big deal and that costs a lot are you requiring testing what level of testing that costs a lot um not just the cost of the tracking or the testing but also the cost of uh, a process that you have some that are tested and you got to hold it up while it's being tested so that you know changes your supply chain uh you know so all those things are operating and what what i think is fascinating about michigan is that michigan has this regulated and this uh, state blessed gray market that operates at the same time which is the caregiver system and you know in michigan a caregiver can have up to six patients that they're caring for. In each of those patients, they can be growing 12 plants at any time. And caregivers have been known to band together uh, and use single locations. So you could have you know five or six caregivers together. And now you're at 500 plants. That's a lot. Wow. And none of that is on seed to sale. And none of that is tested. Right. So you're sort of saying, and so then what happens to all those plants that those caregivers are growing? Probably not going just to their patients. It's probably going to other places too. Sure. I've heard a lot of anecdotes about dispensaries taking that stuff on the side, growing it, uh, or, or selling it. I'm sorry. You know, I don't well, for any... a while they were actually allowed to. For That's a while right. in Michigan, they were allowed to. Yeah. That's right. Um, but I've heard stories that they're still doing it and, you know, they use different ways in the sale tracking system in order to get it in the system. Yeah. Um, you know, is, is that a good idea? Seems like maybe it is, you know, because you, it acts as a pressure valve for the illegal system, but big companies don't like it. Yeah. I feel like one thing that separates Michigan, and maybe you'll correct me on this because I admittedly have a limited understanding of Michigan's market, but what, I, what I've been able to pick up from your reporting is that they have uh, the MRA. I always make sure to really pronounce that M, um, mm-hmm. the, Mar- the Marijuana Regulatory Agency. Yeah. Um, do you think that puts them ahead of Illinois in the terms of like you, we talk about legislative, you know, kind of bureaucratic red tape? Um, and, and in Illinois, you know, you have all of these different um, kind of departments involved, the Illinois Department of Health, the IDFPR. Um, I'm sure you can name a few more Illinois Department of Ag. Um, 
you know, I'm sure there's more, like I say, um, is, are we missing something without having like a central cannabis regulatory body that can unilaterally, is that how it even works in Michigan? I guess really is. Yes. Uh, and the other thing that's important is that, um, they, Michigan's law gives the regulatory body a lot of room to create rules and regulations as they see fit. Whereas in Illinois, uh, the, and that's also the same case in Missouri, the Missouri regulator has a lot of room, but in Illinois, uh, the status of things are created in legislation. So if you're going to make changes, you got to go back to the legislature and the legislature is slow. You know, they, they don't meet all the time and they, you know, they have time meet. off. <laughs> they have a lot of time off. You know, they, they go do other things. Almost every legislator has another job because <laughs> you don't get paid that much as a legislator. Um, and so, you know, they have other things to do and, so and and cannabis is complicated right the issue is complicated and it's and i think a lot of legislators in illinois don't want to tackle this issue because it is so complicated because it's so easy to be outed as an idiot <laughs> yeah yeah and either way either way even if you take it on sometimes you can be outed as a cool idiot not to throw anybody under the bus but i gotta give light i gotta you know, share my opinion on something. And it is my opinion, folks. Uh, but Bob Morgan is working on a bill uh, to make it so that like drug test, something with drug testing in cannabis, basically uh, it's setting a threshold so that it's not any amount of cannabis that you can get fired for. It has to be like, like if you hit a threshold of five um, nanograms, I can't remember the, the context, but it's like five nanograms for saliva up to 10 nanograms for blood. Maybe I've got it backwards. Do you know, Mike, what is Bill? I don't. And and to be honest, I don't pay close attention to the bills, this legislation, sure. because there are so many of them and the likelihood of them seeing daylight is often pretty low. Yeah. Um, and, you know, of course, regular citizens should get interested in this, but there's so many of these bills that float around. Uh, it's hard to treat them seriously. Very true. Well, I, I want to get back to, to that. I want to complete this thought just really quick. I don't want to give too much airtime with what you just said in mind. Uh, but like uh, my thought is on that five to 10 nanograms, anybody that's actually a regular user of cannabis, in other words, uh, I don't know, more than once a month, there's a likelihood that you could fail that test depending on uh, your metabolism. There's a lot of factors that go into this. So I don't know. I just, uh, you look at, um, other drug screening thresholds, even like I looked up the, you can look, uh, folks, if you want to research it, uh, just look into drug screening threshold tests for like the United States government. I think even certain agencies at the United States government have like a 50 nanogram threshold. So it's like, it's still not much, but it's like a little bit more room and in line with other substances. Other substances have thresholds of 500 nanograms. I think, uh, I don't know. This is all going off the top of my head. I've given already too much airtime to this. Uh, let's jump back to um, open licenses versus limited. I think one of the things that limited licenses, that like the the idea of a limited license approach to, is adding 
when you control it, you also add value to the license. And like this is what really made me excited about the idea of social equity in Illinois because we were taking a limited license approach. We were like artificially inflating the value of the license to a, to an extent. Um, and therefore, I thought that would enable us to like maybe build some intergenerational wealth for people that haven't had that opportunity in the past. So mm-hmm. like, I think it, that's one thing a limited license approach does. Like it makes licenses more valuable, um, but it also like, I feel like it, it, to a certain extent, it limits opportunity. And that's actually or- Oregon's liquor commissioner, commissioner had been asked by Vice News in that report I was referencing earlier. Like, if you go back, would you do it again? And he came out right and said, like, look, my job is to enforce what the legislation is. But if you're asking me my opinion, yeah, I'd do this again. Because, sure, people got involved. And, sure, people, a lot of people went underwater because it was a race to the bottom. But, hey, they knew what they were getting into, and everybody had an opportunity. And uh, yeah. that's, I don't know, that's a solid case for me for the open market. But I, I still hear, you know, the, I hear some of the concerns about like i think what you pointed out is is important if you're going to take that open market approach what 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 sort of testing is still required is there a seed to sale system am i correct in thinking that like in oklahoma for example uh and i'm sorry for bouncing around but in oklahoma they don't even have a seed to sale or there's something going on with metric and they don't want a seed to sales. Do you have any? I don't. I haven't been watching Oklahoma closely. I I do know that uh, they've had a lot of issues in the state where they're trying to get people onto the both testing and tracking system. And it's Ah. been hard. I mean, the the way to get a license in uh, Oklahoma is that you go to a website, a state run website, and you punch in your information, you show that you had a criminal background check done, and then you run a credit card for, I think, $2,500. Nice. <laughs> it's, it's, it's like Amazon it, for licenses. It is. Uh, and that's why there's something like 9,000 licenses issued in the state. So, you know, it, it's, it, it's as easy as getting a liquor, or well, easier than getting a liquor license, I think. Yeah. That, and that's kind of, that was my final thought on it. That's kind of where I was leading up to Mike, honestly, with this conversation. I, you know, I, I don't know. I like to hear thoughts on both sides, uh, like limited versus open. But at the end of the day, I think, I don't know that the answer is totally open Oklahoma style, $2,500. You just rock and roll baby. Um, but I wanted at least to be as easy as a liquor license, you know, cause we talk about treating alcohol the same as cannabis and 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 that's kind of like what this movement is inherently based in besides you know decriminalization but it's like let's treat substances equally if you know right 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 Uh, you know it's hard uh there's a lot of details in all this and the details seem to matter for practically everything yeah absolutely well, um, any any other thoughts? Like, do we have anything to look forward to in Illinois? I'm I'm uh, starting to uh, wrap up the show, um, but I wanted to give you an opportunity. Any other thoughts on kind of the where we are now, what the future looks like? No, I mean I think that you know we're it, it it'll be interesting to see if other craft grows 
start announcing their plans. Um, there has been some talk that craft grows would band together and site in one location um, to make that easier. It'll be interesting to see what happens as a result of all that. Uh, and maybe we'll start to hear that in the next month. Hell yeah, that'll that'll definitely be interest interesting. Um, any anything exciting going on in like or anything to look forward to in our other states? We do have listeners from the Michigan and Missouri markets. Uh, well, Missouri, um, you know, is uh, they're supposed to be starting to announce licenses that were um, rescinded or pulled back because places weren't operating, um, and in uh, Michigan. Um, you know, I think they're continuing to boom. And, and in fact, today, Gage Cannabis announced that uh, they were being taken over by, oh my gosh, I, I just got this release just a little bit ago. Um, Gage Cannabis, which is one of the larger ones. Um, oh my gosh, I, I'm doing a really bad job of this. I, I tease everybody with it and then I don't say <laughs> what it is that's happening. Um, Gage just got bought by, um, oh my gosh, this is really bad. Um, hey, they bought by, oh no. Terrasend, Terrasend, which is the Florida company. Terrasend just is now acquiring Gage Cannabis. So, you know, I think that we're going to see a lot more mergers and um, acquisitions in, in uh, um, Michigan and you know, Loom Cannabis just announced that they opened up another dispensary in Michigan, which makes them the largest chain of dispensaries in any one state. Yeah. I think they're, they're, these various companies are, are hoping to get acquired by a larger MSO. Uh, so I think we should start seeing that sort of stuff happen in the fall and the winter. Very interesting. Well, uh, yeah, you, you reported uh, Michigan cannabis grower licenses increased by 277% since 2020. That's a pretty crazy number to look at. Yeah. Um, like yeah. you say, they're rocking and rolling. So. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, uh, Mike, I want to thank you so much for coming on the show today. Um, you can find Mike and Brad Spirison's reporting at grownin.com. Uh, it's Mike Fouché. Um if you go to grownin.com, they've got a free cannabis industry newsletter you can sign up for. When you go to grownin.com, up in the top, top right-hand corner, you're going to see a little um, form that says get our newsletter. If you fill that out, you'll get one of the best cannabis industry newsletters in the Midwest. I say it every time I have you on. Mike, thank you so much for what you do. Uh, seriously, um, you have some of the best reporting in the Midwest on cannabis, and uh, I I'm grateful that we have uh, you and Brad and the rest of the team at Grown In. Um, I'm thankful for you guys. Yeah. Thank you so much. That's nice, Cole. That's great to hear. Um, thank you very much. We like what we're doing. We're having a good time, and we hope to have uh, some more news soon about uh, Grown In growing. Hell yeah. All right. Well, uh, stay tuned for, for that, folks. Oh, um, just before we go, do you have any upcoming events that you wanted to plug? I didn't know if you had No, not, not yet. No, we will soon, though. Cool. Well, stay tuned for that, folks. Uh, there's always really awesome events at grownin.com. So that's another thing you'll get notified for if you sign up uh, for their newsletter. 
Um, and in fact, folks, I'm going to put my referral link in the podcast description, and I beg you to use it when you sign up because god damn it i'm gonna be the first i'm gonna be one of the first people to get that grown in t-shirt i told brad that i'm gonna get that grown in t-shirt you know so. actually we turned off the referral links but we'll give you a t-shirt you've, <sighs> you've earned that t-shirt you've earned that t-shirt <laughs> oh yeah so cool. send me your send me your address and we'll send you a t-shirt you, you've Sweet. referred plenty of people to us you deserve a couple t-shirts <laughs> <laughs> thanks man all right i will get back to you with that folks hope you found some value in today's episode and we will see you next time on the chillinoy podcast